add your own spin. In fact, I'm not paying you at all. Jesus Christ. Rodney, I'm going to have you fill in for David here. Maybe he'll get the idea. Hey, it sounds good to me. <laughs> Great. Take it from top of scene five, Rodney. <coughs> I'd say, any ever heard of this plague that's been going around, huh? Jeez. My wife's been bedridden for months. I'd say, though. By the amount of silence around this house, you'd think I was the one who died and gone to heaven. Oh. <laughs> Shut up! Both of you. This isn't Caddy Shack. This is one girl sad, three guys stabbed. The definitive tragedy of the 1500s. We're going to do this play how it was meant to be played. Self-indulgently over the course of six hours. The only true artist in this room is Charlotte. Look, she's studying me right now. Hi, Charlotte. Uh, you're fascinating. You're fascinating. Why don't you read the part of Il Dottore? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Great, great. Start at the bottom of page 2486 end of act one. <coughs> oh, my leg! It is so broken! And it has so much black in it! And I've been stabbed! Just like my two brothers! Who asked oh, this? for what? One sad girl! No! That it's not been in vain. It's a really good idea. For I have loved, and that is enough. Perfect, perfect. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, more, more, more out of you. The motion, the peak <laughs> of it right now. Yes, perfect. Now the blue man group is going to rise up from the bottom of the stage, so you have to exit as soon as you hear the chumba wumba playing. <laughs> chumba wumba. <laughs> Yeah. I get knocked down. But I get up again. Did I ever want to take me down? I get knocked down. Hey, buddy. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah. I got all this rock and roll. Well, that was an Hell hour yeah. of material. Was it? No, oh, it's, it's been an hour. Gee whiz, it's been an hour. That's like 20 minutes of improv. No fat on that. There was no fat on this. Hi, everybody. I'm sorry. Well, I was. I don't know how these guys. You know, despite the hurdles, we made a flawless sketch show performance. Yeah, so exactly. everybody, please give it up for our players: Billy Sullivan, Whoa. Sam Carroll, Wait. it's me, Pam Benjamin, hey. and most of all, me, Aaron Atkin. Aaron Atkin. Give it up. That's my impression of a chimpanzee. I did that with my mouth. Thank you for watching Aaron Atkins Sketch Show Podcast Comedy Hour with Friends on the Radio. Radio Hour with Friends Hour. See you next time. Guy Blayton's The Naughtiest Girl, written by Ann Digby. Guy Blayton. <laughs> I'm sorry for getting rattled.
Tell that to the Native American. You can't own. You can't own yourself. No, nobody owns the fire. The fire owns man. After Prometheus stole fire from the gods, we went high with power. Oh, the whole time I'm gonna fucking. Am I out now? Well, you're back in. You're in there like swimwear, player. In there like swimwear. Right? Isn't that cool? That's a cool thing that I say. It's a cool thing that makes me cool. Really? Well, don't say that. Dude, I just got crazy deja vu that I was gonna die. Yeah, everybody, that's shady. Well, my heart is full of love, and it's inspire you. And I'll be there every day, if you just want me to. Yours is, yours is clicking in. Do a beer kiss. Wanna do a beer kiss with me, Sam? Not on the lips, guys. No, 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 no. I, you, you don't know. Not on the lips. Sam and Aaron are docking in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't know what that is, it's when one male sticks Dunzo. his penis into the other male's foreskin. Obviously providing one of the men have foreskin. Is that the case? Yet yeah, that is the case. Nope, you s taste like Camel Blues. Turkish Royals, everyone's at least top three, I feel. I don't feel anybody. They're not even in my top three. Really? What are your yeah, top yeah. three? Yeah, top three is uh, Reds. I think are my favorite, just because they have the fiberglass and they really fuck you up, and that's why they're so good. They taste like a break at a fast food restaurant. Yeah, but you don't have a cigarette and palate palate yet. A cigarette palate. No, I, mean. I love a red. I love taking a ten minute break at KFC. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that. They're delicious. That's all I'm agreeing with you. What are your other two? Uh, okay, so there's Reds, and then I think um. Think Dunhills are up there, hmm. but I, you know what? I don't even really personally like Dunhills all that much. I think they just might be some of the best because they're. I've never yeah, heard of them. Thompson smoked them. Are they're 
they regular like you just buy them at a gas station or you know what they you could only buy uh you can only buy dunhill internationals outside of europe and shit like in america you can only only buy dunhill internationals and they sell them in the mission dude french cigarettes Gitan. In theory, I've only had them like once, and I don't really remember them that much. They were fine, but Gitan for sure. Yeah. Imports, and that's why it's bad. Cigarettes, cheese, and wine. Cigarettes, cheese, and wine. One cheese of those fucks you up. Wine. One of them lets you go. The other one lets you do it. Not like it's want to do it to him. We're here with the Mutiny Radio podcast. Super, super poop talk. You know, the French French have less cholesterol because red wine coats your arteries and makes them slippery so your fat doesn't stick as much. What, dude? Yeah. That's like something you – like, the the Italians, like, did this thing where they were just like, yeah, glass of red wine a day keeps you alive. It's like, I guess maybe, like, a glass, but, like, who's drinking a glass of red wine? Look at how they drink versus the Irish, though. Because the Irish were downtrodden, and they just only had the sauce to keep them warm Malcolm during the famine. The Malcolm True. Gladwell. The Italians, they had it much better, though. And uh, the Italians were, like, at a lot of points in the world, like, the epicenter of trade and shit. That's true. They had it Northern for a long Italy. Time. The southern the southern Italy was just neglected and there was a lot of civil wars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're poor. Dude, wine's also yeah. room temperature. It's hard to drink a lot like yeah, like right. you get a cold beer, you could drink a million of those. It just tricks your brain into thinking, Oh, that's yeah, water. That's definitely water. I could drink twelve day. of those. Nine think about think about light? all the drinks back in the day were just warm. You were just a normal guy, you had warm drinks every time. They were no no matter what you were drinking, always warm. They'd just be like, or you put it in a cellar, get it like three degrees colder yeah, than it's in an outside temperature. Yeah, and they, they still do that in England. They have uh, cask condi- like cask temperature ale, which is just like they have some shit in the basement, and it comes out that temperature. In the shade, and it's yeah. got well, like it's novelty attached to it. It's yeah. Let's yeah, go yeah. to English and well, buy their ground beer. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is and like say that, that we drink brown ale. If, if we just got back from London, we had the ground beer. You have to try the ground beer. You gotta try the ground beer, sugar. If you drink Guinness as your beer of choice, you're fat as fuck. There's no way to s- maintain really? any health walk. Dude, that no shit's way. like literally like a loaf of bread. No, dude. but dude, Guinness has uh, – um, It doesn't have nitrites. Guinness has – What is that? Nitrates. It's one of the nitrites. only beers without a nitrate in it. Well, 12 day, ounces so. of Guinness has 125 calories. 12 ounces of Bud Light has 110. So that's Damn. 10 a, – a glass of Guinness has 10 more calories than a glass of Bud Light. I don't even don't know shit. I don't even eat hey just hey. so I could get you know save money on beer and I still fucking have a beer belly. It also just makes you it makes you swell up. I mean, it's because scientifically it's because when you have carbohydrates in your body, it takes two waters to process a carbohydrate, and you so you and so <laughs> that's why when you lose weight, you lose a lot of water weight, especially if you stop <laughs> eating carbs because it takes. Your body holds more water yeah. in it when you're processing carbs. And, you're b- and it gets kind of inflamed. Well, yeah. it just it literally takes two, like, extra waters, like, attached. You know, like, O-chems. Anyway. What's the best thing to have? It's like an energy drink before, like, a big sports game or something like that. You eat a bunch of pasta beforehand, just carbo-load. Well, you got to eat it, like, night before. You eat yeah, a bunch, like, before right before, then you're fucked. fucked. Yeah. yeah. You can't even move. All the other kids are blowing you out of the water, and your dad's in the stands like, damn it. Dude, dude you're a goalie. Sucks. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I was always eating carbs before my practices. What were you a goalie? I was a goalie at Lax. Yeah. Dude, I was a goalie in hockey. I know, I know. We yeah, talked about this. Right. You were just hammered. <laughs> no, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's some. That's. M- I'm much. 
I think that's much more baller of you because uh, that ball is going so fast. Oh my that god, shit's so hard. Yeah, There's no, no pads. Yeah, nobody. W- you couldn't wear pads just because, only because of the stigma. Everyone thought you were a big old puss for wearing pads. Like, yeah, you, d- yeah. Uh, oh, it makes you sore. No. It you ever seen what the girl? You, reality, know, you, you see what the girl lacrosse goalie dress up in? More than a paintball. Have you seen girls? Girls lacrosse. Paintball cannonball. Girls lacrosse goalies. They got motocross pads on. Yeah, I know. They got some. They're on some X Games mode shit. They're on X Games mode. For a goalie, it's the same sport except for the fact that usually the shots coming high. And you ever been hit? You ever been hit in the face with balls? I mean, my God, going that fast, please. You gotta have a lot of protection. I lost. I broke a couple molars playing hockey because I got hit in the chin with a puck. In the chin, my 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 helmet oh was so Jesus. fucking small and so close to my hey, jaw. Aaron, you can't be scared no, no, no. of fact, it hit right? Me in the mask, oh. so it hit me right where it should have. But the mask was just a little too small. It was one of those stylish CCMs from back in the day, and the shock went right into my fucking jaw and broke my molar. And oh. I just had to chill. Yeah, but I didn't. I stayed conscious though. One time you I got hit in the knee, the and I just fucking. That? Did you have a no. fat Northwestern alcoholic co- hockey coach? <laughs> yeah, Aaron can't be afraid of the fact. All right. <laughs> No great goal, you can't be afraid of the puck. <laughs> I need some camel whites. I should be, though. I probably knocked a couple IQ points off me. That's why I can't be. He was doing a visual play. joke where we couldn't see any of his teeth. He had no teeth. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just so for the people on the radio that might not have gotten that. Like, I got new ones. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> new ones are wider than the others. So yeah. That's all you can ask for. Fake. Like Steve-O. Have you seen Steve-O's teeth? Yeah. Fools are fucking large. It's like when they edit like a dog to have teeth for like ads. Fingers in there and piss the parrot's name was Fluffy. He'd piss Fluffy off. 
Did you ever fuck with the cat? Do you remember the first time you fucked with the cat and it just gutted you? You never fuck with cats. You ever watch Netflix? First time I did that, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Don't yes. you know? Well, you never watch Netflix? The trick with the oh, cats right. is you, 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 can't, you can't ever make your hand a toy. And people who make their hand a toy get attacked by cats. That's uh. just the way it is. The reason my cats, you have very sharp nails because I don't clip them very often, but the reason I don't get all bloody from them is that my hand is not a toy. <laughs> my hand feeds you and pets you. My cats never attacked me even, like, as a toy. Not with my ne- – no. I, I fuck with them like I – pick them up all the time and I play with their paws just so that if I want to clip cut their nails I can but never make your hand a toy because then they'll attack it in the middle of the night if you like move your hand under the covers or whatever they'll they get you oh, that's fun yeah. though that's are so you the Joey exotic the of cats oh my god there's a call yes <laughs> it means yes it used to be it Joe used to exotic be Aaron Atkins was on the circuit but now you're with him Are you on the air now? You're being racist. David who? Hey, Aaron. I recognize your voice. I recognize your voice, too. I was like, oh, it's David. Hi. Hi. You calling in to purchase the necklace? No, he heard he heard your he heard Aaron's voice and he was excited about it. He said, oh, I thought he listened live to check the link. And he said, oh, I heard Aaron's voice. So I wanted to call in. David who? David Jane. I just stopped by with my one quarter. I just got some money. Oh, right. You know, I was thinking about you today, man. You know who you kind of sound like? You sound like the Ice King from Adventure Time. Oh, you know how many customers I have, especially since my last name is Lee, J-A-Y-N-E. I'm talking to these customers. So they've gone through my whole profile and they've seen me called the man. I'm like, he's talking to me. Anyway, That's brutal. Messing around with your gender pronouns. That's brutal, but also you can't get offended. I can sing. If you get offended, like. It's much lower if I sing in front of this conversation, but especially when I'm all excited like this. Anyway, Pam. Yeah. I just did a post on Facebook for my stand-up that I'm trying to do Thursday afternoon performance. Yeah, Thursday afternoon at 420. I'm looking for a Facebook Live or something like that. I can maybe do a stream. Video stream. It looks like a Facebook Live is going to take any more than a five-hour effort to launch it. But in the meantime, I did a plug for Stand Up and Stand Up Comedy and the thing I do on the site. You on the website. Well, I'm glad everything works, and I'm excited for Thursday at 4:20. And you can let people you can let people call in at this number, and then they can call in too when you're doing your show on Thursday. Hooray. David, 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 do you blaze? Yeah, he's asking if you blaze, if you if you blaze, if you like the blood type Kush positive type shit. I love the OG Kush. Um, I blaze. I stopped by with my stand up and I pretty much spent the last time I had. I am opposed. Hey, David, don't do that. No, I'll sell you. I'll sell you weed from now on. Don't do that. Don't go to the dispensary. David, David, I got the freshest, David, I got the freshest OG purple pussy OG kush that you'll ever smoke. Really, I'm four blocks away and my dog needs a walk. (laughs) Are you offering that you can walk? I say obviously. All right, thanks for calling, David. Quarters of that pussy pussy purple OG. $80, promise. 
David, everybody, king shit, as they say. David, everybody, king he's a, one of our neighbors who um, has been coming to the Friday show. The Ice King himself. Yeah, and he's excited. He plays lots of music, and and he's like, okay, if you want to come over, and we'll do a little show. So Thursday, 4:20, we're gonna do it. So. Avery doing a show here? Is she gonna do a music show? Hopefully, I, yeah. I mean, I need to. I. We're friends on Facebook now. That's a step in the right step. direction. She'd love to do a show. She's she used to run a great show at uh, Puget Sound University. They used to have a great show. Audrey White. Wow. Shout out them. Puget. Puget Sound. What is what what's it, what's something that sounds Puget? Uh, it's a just a it's a body of water. A sound. Does it? What does it? It's, I it's bet it Puget? sounds like. Like how does that sound? That's the sound of something. Oh, it sounds like a radio bumper. Sounds like my. We were. Yeah, after <laughs> anything. Pam, we were talking about that. We need to make you a radio bumper. I don't know what that means. Like radio. Jimmy, radio Donovan. Yeah, yeah. We actually have one. Carl does it, man. There's a guy. He's got a very unique voice. There's a famous guy named Toots who did one for us for a while ago about mutiny radio. Toots sounds like he does blow. It was no, it's he's Puts the it he's a reggae. Yeah. He's like a he's kind of a famous reggae extract. guy, I guess. I don't know. Toots. It's an old it's an old one. But there's call me Toots. There's all kinds of stuff that I need to do and work on, but it's just like one project after another. It's like what's the most important project? I bet that guy was like, yeah. everybody call me Greg. They're like, no, we're gonna call you. We're gonna call you the Redskins. They're gonna change that name now. They're changing it, baby. And somebody has all the other cool names trademarked. The Blue Men. Yeah. The URLs and shit. They should name it the Redneck. That would that would work. Or the Crackers. The Black Lives Matters. Sure. Why not? Cover all your bases. Uh, how about the Red, the Red Cocks? Red Badgers. The Jews. Wild hogs. Yep. The Jews. Alright, that's Angels. what we're doing, yeah. <laughs> it's Hell's Angels. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> what, is there a problem with the the Washington team, the Jews? Jews? That sounds like a you problem. I mean, Christians would be kind of like... Oh, yeah. And you, and you did like the... Who do you, and the who do you think was, was pissed about the Redskins name changing in the first place? Probably the Christians. So if yeah. you change it to the Jews, it'd be a double whammy. Ooh, the Jew, cr- the Christian Jews, the yeah. pro- Protestants, yeah. the Palestinians. Could you imagine? The Rohingya Muslims. Fuck off. There's a whole bunch of political stuff you could do. The low-income. Yeah. Blaming the Rohingya. How about the low-income single mothers? How about we finally name a team after the real heroes of our society? <laughs> the teachers. The Washington the teachers. Low-income single mother teachers. That's about Not everything believable. you can be. Dude, that was my. What? Huh? What? What? Who? Censoring myself on air. Censor. Oh. Cancel. Cancel. You know, you know I'm a quarter Chinese. You know what comes out sometimes. I just gotta censor myself. The other three quarters of me wanna just dish. I would never. Spit yeah, thank God for our cancel button we have right here in the studio. Cancel. You guys wanna hear some gossip? Okay. Do you guys know my Uncle Josh? So my uncle Josh went mudding with his buddy Max. Mudding? Yeah. Mudding. Yeah. Buddy is like mudding. What is that? Well, Max's nephew's name is Stephen. Oh. Is mudding just like Steven? driving around in mud? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but Stephen's sister name is Cynthia. 
Okay. Right. Cynthia's aunt. Her name's she's Sarah, right? So Sarah went to Cynthia and said Max knows something about Steve. What's it about? Is it telling? You're not getting it? Cynthia. My grandmother is also my mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we shouldn't be saying this on air. Yeah. You know that? My yeah, grandmother is also my mother. <laughs> she fucked my dad. Really? Her son, yeah. Clean shit. Nice. Literal yeah. 1400s clean You'd shit. You'd be way more goofy looking if that were the case. No, it actually, <laughs> it has to repeat over multiple iterations for the the inbreeding to really start to take hold. No. 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 I, no, no, you're, you're kind you are... You're kind split. of right. You're kind mother of right. Mother-son is no, the it's worst. Mother-son's the worst. That's the worst you could do. The next is brother-sister. The next is dad-son. <laughs> <laughs> dad-son incest. Oh, those <laughs> never survive. That'd be so it's wild. Those never, ever survive. That'd be never so survived. wild. Oh, my God. I'm I know cousins... Imagine. Cousins, cousins, I think, cousins starts to show over more. Game, but if you're cousins, fair game. If you're with so your family, that kid's no, fucked. Look at the map. I know, dude. I know, dude. Look at the okay, this, is a, this is a controversial if fact. If you're trapped in a, a castle of only your cousins for eight generations, you're kind of thick. You're well, getting it fucked up, dude. But well, like, dude, you, do you just know fuck that your cousin once, and then she fucks your brother, and then it's like, and then your dad gets involved and shit. Sam, your dad's also like Holy Roman Emperor. Hey, the guys, forty percent of all marriages. Islamic world are relative relations. As in cousins. Yes, are blood relations. Yeah. That is, I did not just make that <laughs> up. They're like just I did not just throw out some gnarly fact about they're people that I'm not a part of. They're just learning about how bad it is. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, you, you, I'm not even you think shit. that has, hasn't that been around for a while, though? Fuck yeah. No, no, dude. Like, I, I'm b- like, back in the day, I bet, like, just in the, like, in the 50s, it was... We were just like, oh, cousin fucking, oh, yeah. but she's so hot. Everybody like, come on, it. let me just yeah. do it. See? It's yeah. a social contract. Yeah, yeah. it is a social contract, dude, but it's still pretty. I told you, like, mom. Like, dude, I saw a video of a guy who has to take, like, 50 different types of medications a day because his, pa- his parents are cousins. He's also a dumbass. Dude, the, mo- the majority of, of, like, 80, right? Dude, you dude when you, that dumb. When you, when you don't want to fuck your sister, it's because, it's because there's something in the brain that recognizes that you grew up with her. Like, there's no way to smell that it's your sister. There's no way to like know that I shouldn't fuck my sister unless it's like just like that like repetitive cognitive like this is my sister. She's a baby, you know. You don't grow up with your cousins. It's why it's why you know sometimes cousins can be hot, right? You think under right? any certain okay, Sam? Right. Fourteen hundreds. Not my cousins, but your, your cousins be can like be hot. Your cousins are hot. Aaron. She knows so much about me. We're soulmates. We it's like we were made for each other. Gnarly, that's Woody Allen shit, dude. It's, it's they the weren't related. I know, you know what? but it's still fucked it is up. Step, si- up yeah. step siblings, power. What about yeah, yeah, power? Yeah. No, it was about because he nurtured her and yes, watched her grow and made her into this power. person power. that he wanted. He wanted for himself. It's about power. Yeah, that's all. What do you? What, no, Woody Allen did what Soon Young Kim, what like a master ceramicist would do with a clay pot. He just molded her and then he pissed into it because she's Whoa. Asian. Yeah. No, had to no, be and you can't rule that a out. Like you can't I, rule the word mold about their sex life. The word mold here is important because humans she's don't still mold better off than well. being a Korean orphan, though. I'll say that live on air, dude. I bet Ooh, she loves Woody. Better, off. better she off. She wanted than to do before. it. He didn't like. He didn't force her to marry her. Can we edit that out. What if I want to be? What if I want to do something with my life? I don't think they're. I don't think Cisco systems is gonna. I watched a documentary about Amy Schumer. This guy dug up so much about Amy Schumer. 
so yeah, much. But that's what she does about the people. Like he she sucks. dug up a fucking ten year um footage of, of Joey Diaz on the JRE on the Joe Rogan podcast of him like saying some pretty gnarly shit. Like oh, basically yeah. saying oh, like he would, yeah, he, he would he would give someone? girls stage time at the at the laugh factory if they'd suck my dick. And Joe Rogan was like, How many girls do you do that to? He was like, Like twenty dog. Like twenty dog. No joke. No, he goes, he goes, No joke, like twenty. Like twenty dog. And it's like clarified and they all die of laughter. I'm serious right now, twenty. This ain't a joke, dog. Twenty. There was yeah. some video of a streamer. You know who Rice like Gum is? Gnarly, but like, like it was on the Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, do you know who? It's called you, the casting couch for a reason. Everybody acts like it's such a big fucking deal. There's a reason yeah. why there's a trope called the casting couch. Is that for years and years, women would talk that the way you got ahead in Hollywood is that you had to sleep with everybody. Like that was the Weinstein thing. And then when someone stood up, like Mira yeah. Sorvino, the when someone different. like Mira Sorvino stood up and said, "No, I'm not going to get in a bathtub with you. You're a scary, fat old fuck." She tanked her whole career. Dick. What happened to Mira Sorvino? She like got a fucking Oscar or something, or got nominated, and then she disappeared. And the same thing happened to the girl who was in Jawbreaker, who was so pretty, who was like with Marilyn Manson for a while, and she's kind of a weirdo and kind of a fun little wacky actress. Rose McGowan. The same thing happened to Rose McGowan that happened to Mira Sorvino, and that was that was Harvey Weinstein said, "Fuck me, or I'll tank your career," and they said no, and then he tanked their careers, and it happens from like. Why did they disappear? Why were they yeah, big in the early '90s and all of a sudden the late '90s they disappeared and the thousands and they weren't there? And we're Is all that they said no, but everyone else said yes. And all like we're all better for that that cultural thing being destroyed. We are all better off for it. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, society's better off for that. I mean, not you, not scumbags. Scumbags are definitely not better off. They're like shit. Yeah, but Harvey blew up the spot. You know dog. how men. You I know how men get ahead in life by giving young starlets careers. Yeah. That's how men get Dude, a, a he, I, saw, I saw a video. There's some, there's some, oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm a comedian. A blab. Ooh, aren't I wacky? That's from Family Guy. Andy Dick. I love Dude, Andy Dick. Dude, you see Andy Dick get punched in the face because he was like, he was like, I just want a treat. No, I just want punch in the face. Everyone. Dude, he's humiliating himself. He did a Cribs tour. He lived in a shed. <laughs> oh, shed. fuck yes. <laughs> it's a nice one. And then he's like, this is my painting. It's worth $3,000. I had to keep fuck. it comfort. And no. then later on, he got drunk and got punched. Yeah, by he pawned that, too. He by dude because he was drunk and he was, like, saying reckless shit, I bet. Yeah. yeah that's some, some Andy Dick shit. Yeah. That's what Andy Dick do. Andy Dick. Andy he went to my Dick. school. Alma mater. Really? He went to Columbia, yeah. Ooh. Sing shit. My my hero, my idol, my thriving star. Andy Dick. What a hilarious name. I don't think it's real. I think it's fake. I have friends named is Dick Arms. <laughs> Richard, Richard Julian Arms, Arms the fifth. Richard Arms, dude, Dickie Arms. <laughs> hey, hit up Dickie Arms. We need some. <laughs> we need some Percocets. Me and, me and him. Me and him. Me and Andy's him. Dick's real name is Andrew Dick. Oh, oh, skim, oh, wild. skim pop quizzes from the history teacher. He used to go in after he left, oh. take pictures of shit on the MG Touches Dude, that we Dickie had. Arms. I'd be lookout. He would take the pictures. And good old Dickie would come in. We got busted. It's so hey, funny because in all the time that you probably spent setting up that heist, you could have just studied the material Fuck and learned yeah. it and done fine <laughs> on the Fuck test. Yeah. No, you could have. I mean, but it you just applied yourself in a different true. way. I hear that all the time. If you just applied, no, it is. applied yourself and did the work. No, cheating is more efficient than not cheating. No, it's not. Not if you have to do a lot of Yeah, but you had to pull off a heist. Yeah. You had to pull off a heist. You're cheating. How many hours did it take? 
start to get a groove, then you start to know and then how you are hella good at heisting. It's yeah, like, it's like just like you what you do with studying. You just repeat your act for 20 years. It's like Jerry Seinfeld. But like, it's just like that. You know, once you figure out how to print out the thing and tape it to the inside of the water bottle, or like to find the perfect notepad, put it inside your test, you're now good. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just? Aaron, you cheat all the time. You, I mean? see you. What do you mean? With your phone on the stage. That's what not mean? cheating. That's my persona. You're cheatery. That's not cheating. Delicious one. How would you know? You're cheetah girls, man. I respect it. I'm one of the cheetah girls too. I don't cheat. You cheat. You put. You bring this phone on the stage. I used to have a bit about it. I was like, I'm gonna cheat right now. You know. I used to. Cheating. I used to write joke one, joke two, joke three on my style. hand, and then say, go up on the stage, be like, oh, joke one. That doesn't really help. It's does a different it? style. Are you, what are you, are you cheating for just being an angry comic? I mean, is that cheating? Is that a crutch? Yeah, I would say I'd say it's a crutch just to be like angry about everything, you know. I don't think anything's a crutch in Dude, that. Dude, I'm way. only saying it because I do it too, and I consider it cheating. It doesn't mean that I do it as a cheat, as a crutch at all. I don't do it. I don't remember shit up there. <laughs> I just fucking get it. Oh, I'm gonna say this. What the fuck was I gonna say? All okay. right, I'll talk about bitch. Yeah, when when I'm still in that dick phase. I love using my phone because it's just so casual now. People want you to be casual. But you also know that you can touch it. You use your phone actually using it as a sound device. So that's different. Like it's it's almost a prop. That as well. I mean it is a prop. I think that yeah, I mean well I, I used to feel the same way about open micers using their phone, but it's no different than using like fucking notepad i guess unless you want to convince the audience yeah, that you're I just like oh i'm off the top of my head i'm just like naturally speaking of this funny stuff they know better there would be no point for me to bring any notes on stage because i'm so blind that i couldn't see anything i'd written down anyway at this point like uh. i wouldn't even be able to read the only way i'd be able to read it at this point is like look really far away or look really close up which i can't do so there's just there's there's no option for me to even try i can do it without my phone but it's just so scared right like sure should i Take a bomb oh, yeah, real quick. Yeah, lady. Hey, um, don't, 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 no dead air. No dead air. Well, I'm scintillating. Talking. Yeah, Dude. silly and goofy. You and guys, friends. You and guys stuff. ever watch Making a Model with Yolanda Hadid? No. no he takes 13 year old girls and tells them they're fat. He gives them Adderall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she's yeah, like, you need to lose about drugs, 30 pounds. Uh, How much? Weinstein shit. Everybody's pissed about it, but that's actually what we all do. The so wine <laughs> don't scene? hate it. <laughs> I've been involved in the wine scene. The wine scene. Yeah, they make would some you good take wines. a drug if, if you knew it would make you better at the thing you wanted to be good at? That's what Dude, alcohol I have a drug that alcohol. would make me better at the thing I'm good at. Zans. You sleep better? Zans. Dude, I, I do, I do better some pretty sleeping? good comedy off just like a touch of Zans. Because you get up there and the adrenaline kind of overpowers the stupidness that you get with I a touch I of the Zan. Yeah. I agree with that. Benzodiazepines don't hurt you on stage. They don't, yeah. hurt, they don't hurt me on well, stage. Wait, well, it depends how many benzos you ate. Because if you ate too many... Yeah, ten milligrams Valium is a lot of Valium. Yeah, That's I don't, I, ca- I don't really, I haven't really gotten into the Valium game. All I know is like a quarter bar, a quarter. Break anymore. off one of those, a quarter of those big old Zanny sticks, and you go on stage and you're you're loosey goosey, and you're wacky and you're good, and you're not nervous. That's what's most important. And but the thing about that is that's so jam- like you can't fucking get in the habit of getting using an anti-anxiety drug to get rid of your anxiety uh, on stage. Yeah, like that's what the alcohol. Fuck? What dude? happens yeah, when you run out of Zans, bro? What I'm trying to get at is... Yeah, that's what you I drink a little pills. bit of li- liquor before I get Would I use dick pills and just have a, a unimpressive hard-on on stage? No way. No, it's not about... <laughs> balloon knot. It's not about having a boner on stage. It's about lasting a long time on stage. Oh. Uh, like, dick pills, people... people have you eaten some dick, dick pills? pills? 
dude, pe- people take big pills and they're like, why would I get hard just to come in two seconds anyway? It's like, you don't come in two seconds. If you're coming in two seconds, you don't need dick pills. Why would you want dick pills? You don't need dick pills. Yeah, yeah. No, that's just Pam, Pam. I used to say that all the time. It's such a dumb thing. Like, you can't, it's not good enough. Have you ever had dick pills? You know what dick pills do to a dick? Have you ever eaten a dick pill? They turn you into a Neanderthal. Because I've never needed them. I don't take drugs unless I... Make you hard and they make you stay rock fucking hard the whole time and you don't and you don't ever you don't ever Dude, I've bust it too early. You I don't ever blast off. Bust. You don't ever Apollo eleven challenger eighty five. You're not exploding. You're 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 in it to win it. It's it's miracle on ice when you're fucking with like dick pills. Dude, I took a dick pill once and I didn't get laid. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking was just yeah. left took with it the gnarliest blue balls. You yeah. took it too early. Yeah, well, That's I hard. was like, this is a sure thing. Uh, it didn't happen. I just went back to my spot, and I felt so – I it was blue balls times a thousand. You know what you got to do? You know what those – And then I rubbed one out, and it made it just like ha- – it turned it into regular blue balls. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> it's just like keep going. I you know what those Nazi, you know what those Hell. Nazi spies would do, which is they'd keep a little cyanide thing in their back tooth. Yeah, big you gotta tooth. take a dick pill. Find the old yeah, castles. Yeah, that'd be sick. Oh, that'd be so swinger. In the back molar, it's like what's that in your cheek? You're like I'm dipping, bitch. Oh, that'd be fucking so many. Oh, that should have been a Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo joke. They should have put that in the movie. Deucey, take your dick pill. In case things get too rough, I can't. You guys have never. I hope don't, 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 things don't come to it. No, I've I've fucked on the dick pill. It makes you ravenous. Second, ravenous. It's it's yeah, shocking. It's I, I really think it's gonna be the new norm. I think like like as much as Adderall in the work and culture. And dude, because dick pills are coming back, you don't need a lazy calories. We are lazy you calories. You even so talking about this? You're 24 years old and you're talking about this. Yeah. Offends me oh, yeah. deeply. Because oh, it yeah. means you're a lazy cow. Uh-huh. You could do it yeah. on your own yes. just fine. Correct. And you decide to augment with drugs? What uh-huh. the yeah, fuck but we, is we could party yes. without drugs, Man. too. Everything but we you still said do is correct. Because it's more lit. I mean, but that's the whole Man. thing is that uh, you you don't need the help, so why take it? Nobody Extra. Right. I'm going to put the same, I'm gonna put the same argument to makeup. You know, women shouldn't wear makeup for the same reason. But I don't Women, no more makeup. You don't need it without it. That's so lazy. Why not just yeah, run and Pam, lose weight? Same oh. argument, stupid. Yeah, I, pay, I run and lose weight all the time. I'm like, not, then yeah, this isn't for you. I don't I use so dick mad pills. At I, like I, I bet Sam people. doesn't even use dick pills. It's just for the sake of the argument. Maybe. I, I'm it, just saying it's offensive that a person under 30 would even conceptualize using them. Because you could do fine without it's them. It's not. Come on. But then why? I don't care about your feelings. Because, no, because it's just, it's like, okay, like, have this sex or just have this wild and crazy ravenous sex. Yeah. And it's like, you're going to just turn Robert it down on the on the premise of I don't need them. Like, okay, somebody offers me a line of Coke and be like, like and I'm drunk. Oh, I'm drunk. I don't need that Coke. Like, pill. you'll never hear me say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, someone's going to give me drugs and be like, all right, hey, listen, I don't need these drugs. I most certainly don't need them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And dude, honestly, they do all the time. Oh, something's wrong. That's why you get addicted to pills. Yeah, but that's not our fault. My parents gave me pills. No, my parents gave me pills. I mean, I'm just lucky that I never was put on all that fucking methamphetamine as a child. I I don't think that you need it. Me and Sam were. That's why we're so fucked up. And then they fucking give it to you, (laughs) and then you're 30, and you think that there's a pill for everything. Your kidneys are going to be fucked when you're in your 40s. You take this many drugs when you're young. Have you ever thought about what long term Adderall or speed usage does to you? You don't when you're a kid. You're going to be on dialysis. 
Genesis when you're 45. Oh god, don't say this shit. It makes you want to drink, man. It makes you want to drink for a baby girl. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have pacemakers that are so lit. Dialysis machines. You're gonna be able to put them in your breast pocket. It's gonna be fine. What if I name my daughter Dialysis? You know those hip dialysis Dialysis Atkins. That's Dialysis Atkins. Oh my god, and Atkins is the name of the diet. She's a Pisces. I'm a Taurus. Says she's expensive, but I could afford it. My friend drives a Taurus. All right. Dick pills. Wham, wham, wham. I like the dick pills. Ranting is like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, but like, I I understand where you're coming from with a dick pill, but like, you you can apply that attitude to any drug. Yeah. For sure. And to makeup, and to, I mean, what? Women women have so much. The only yeah. reason why I agree with you is because if themselves. you don't need dick pills, they really give you the rapey vibe. Like, they really Oof. give you the ha ha. They turn you into a caveman. <laughs> My, dude, like you're it like, is Arr. funny. It is I've funny. never like felt you're that. You're aggressively yeah. horny, and it's like, okay. <laughs> you, ever take, you ever take one, and then just like your friend, just like one friend, like you both take it, and then you yes. go to his kids, like, like. Dude. <laughs> You go to your cousin's bar mitzvah when you yeah. got a dick pill and you hang out with all those yeah, and you're aggressively horny. In the oh. <laughs> and you slow yeah, dance with you them. can overpower the boner, <laughs> but like you, you can't overpower the nut thing that you happens. You slow down, you slow dance right. with them, and you your keep the right distance, just like the janitor, so they. Yeah. In a very funny way, you do that. Or you can go goodbye horses and just shove your sack behind. Rock, <laughs> yeah, that's not good looking, kids. <laughs> Youth League softball, can I have your number? <laughs> Intermural baseball, I am Can we play busy. this in the morning? Can we do this? Can this be our drive time show? We can play it whenever. Drive time <laughs> live. <laughs> Mutiny Radio in the morning with Billy Sullivan. Your boy Bill. Sam Carroll. We're not good. And Pam Benjamin. Give it a two. Give it a two. Mutiny Radio in the morning. Fucking up frequencies and shit. Oh, I know. Could be the new Delilah, Pam. I don't know who that is. (laughs) Before (laughs) your time. (laughs) Before your time. You mean Elvira? No, she hosted the greatest soft rock, soft pop adult contemporary show that with a Christian lean on 94.5 K Bay. She was nationally syndicated. She used to play Katie Lang. <laughs> the James Gam. She, she used yeah. to play Tears <laughs> in Heaven by Eric Clapton back to back. Tears and then she'd play <laughs> Where Did I Go Wrong? I lost a friend. And I was like, damn, I guess I, also, I too lost a friend somewhere in the bitterness. I'm eight years old. And then she'd, and then she'd play Delilah, What's It Like Down in Bakersfield. You're, you're a good enough singer and you know music well enough that you could do a whole montage of karaoke songs that could be very, very funny, especially since you're so young and if you did them from a whole different time period. Like, even if you did, like, the history of music through karaoke, starting with the Bee Gees yeah. and did your funny voice and then, like, <laughs> I mean, it's almost. That's <laughs> where it began. <laughs> Me and Aaron, if, if anyone doesn't know, and Aaron are hella good at karaoke. But my point is that it'd be a funny joke. It would be like Saturday Night Live when the 
when he did the thingy with the lounge music with the girl and the piano and the Will Ferrell. The lounge thingy. Yo, you I cashed have, this have, last I time. No, baby. I yeah, this. let me get some herb. There's no. plenty. I've got a whole. Goodbye, reefer. Goodbye, reefer. They're taking. That's they're taking our reefer. What if the Gibb talk show on SNL? Right. <laughs> that's our left wing argument. They're taking our goods. Well, they're taking our reefer. Actually, they're giving you us put back. Put your weed in there. Gun sales have oh, gone Oh wait, up do you hear protests. that? Oh. That's gunshots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? No, it's, it's still no, fireworks. No, yeah, 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 that's yeah. fireworks. Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. That sounded really different from the fireworks. I've been watching my alone show, and Dude, every time there's a noise, I'm really like, that's a puma. That's gunshots? People are like, that's a fart yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you don't have no idea if it's fireworks. Yeah, fire exactly. Uh, Dude, it's gunshots. Yeah. No, it's so straight. The sound, like, the sounds were just so staggered and not fucking, you know. I'm a white guy. I don't know shit. I want to hear what it sounds like when a when a horn has sex. <laughs> oh my god, are those gunshots to the house? Yeah, <laughs> you should have said that into the mic. <laughs> Don't worry, I was distracting him with my horn. I've got I've got my new inappropriate joke, but I think I need to sell it to Warhol or give it to him. Spit it right now. It's uh, I've I've said it a couple times, but so you know how Tiger Woods is really rich, mm-hmm. and he's also half Thai and half black. Right. Do we call him a tycoon? It's so good. I feel it's like good. it has to have been done before. Has to have been done before. <laughs> I know it's it should so already good. be on the internet. But it's good. I'm, I am, I am more clever than people give. Actually, this is this COVID's actually quite helped me out. I'm sorry that weed is so bad and my bong doesn't work either. It's just such like a. It's just, it's just a, a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. Pam, what you just said reminds me of something that I've been saying. The only time I know that I'm better than you is if you say, "You think you're better than me." You just said every nobody says that I'm talented or creative, right? He thinks that I protest too much. No, no, I do. I oftentimes <laughs> feel, but no. Lately, I've felt really great about it since COVID started because I'm part of all these other weird things, and I'm like, since comedy sort of disappeared, and I've been one of the only people that has access to it. I, I've watched my sets. I'm way funnier than I was like six months ago. Like I'm much more comfortable, and maybe it's because everybody else sucks because they're not getting the time that I'm getting, and so yeah. I'm like, ha ha ha! Look at me get better. And you all get worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, so I don't know. Worse. Yeah, maybe it's not me getting better. Maybe it's just everybody else getting worse. And I don't mind that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, should kind of just be indifferent to it. I think being indifferent to people getting worse is, is the best attitude because obviously the worst part of you is going to be like, yes, everybody's sucking. But the best, yeah, the best part of you should be like, oh, I'm trying to make them better. And, like, being in the middle is just is a good person. I think. Oh, no, like – I'm the. I'm trying to help oh, people. I'm, a, I'm trying to. I'm trying to help a specific group of people get better. But yeah. Other than like that, your friends. Fuck them. Everybody else is a yeah, dick. Everybody else sucks dick. Yeah. Everybody else. Yeah. All right. No one wants friends. me to read a poem. Yeah. No oh, I, your stuff. Your work is so good. Yeah. No new friends. No. No. You've got no. all your. You've, you're, um, just a mess of haikus. Can I hear your brain go for a second? You're an Irish boy. This one comes in I an like Irish I like curtains bowl. that don't quite shut. I like bread knives that don't quite cut. I like rips in blue jeans. I like people who can't say what they mean. I like spiders with no legs. Pencils with no lead. Ants with no heads. Worms that are half dead. I like holes. I like coffee cold. I like creases in neat folds. I like signs that just don't know where they're going. But under attack here at Mutiny Radio. I like angry poems. I like the way you can't pin down the sea. 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 
sexy. The C C I I love the C like C though. Yeah, got that homin in there at the end. You know, Mutiny Radio was founded in a mutiny in an 1800s sea vessel. Sure. Ooh, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Pam told me. Yeah. Sir John Crozier was the captain of the ship. He didn't respect the man's needs, is what happened. Right, boys? And they were like, let's get a mutiny and just do comedy, lads. We just want to do stand-up comedy. The ship be to an not a place audience. for harboring mutiny. Or harboring resentment. If only there was a way for tens of people to tune in and hear what we have to say. For tens of people. That's very true. No, this is a very syndicated podcast. This is God's like five. Well, this is this one's called Pop Off, and he hasn't been doing it for a while because COVID. We're popping off, baby. Yeah, and he. <laughs> and he actually plays. Um, <laughs> he usually plays '80s music, which is really cool. And he calls it something like Dusty Cove or something, and it's <laughs> Dusty Cove. That sounds like a pirate's whorehouse. It is. It's super nice. <laughs> but yeah, sounds tens lit. Of tens of thousands, tens I of people are listening. I'd hang out in a place called Dusty Cove. I she got a real dusty cove. Have you met Bear before? That's right, everybody. Sam's a trespasser. <laughs> Who wants to hear another poem? Sure. This one's by Emily Dickinson. Oh, by Emily. Did you know that every Emily Dickinson can poem can be sung to the tune of uh, of uh, Gilligan's Island? Every Emily Every Dickinson. Long years apart can make no breach. A second cannot fill. It, it works. The uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do it's that. It's be uh, because <laughs> I could not right. stop for death. He kindly stopped for me. There was nothing between ourselves but immortality. It just keeps going. So fire. Emily Every Dickinson Every single slaps. Emily Dickinson poem can be sung She's got bars. Of Gilligan's Island. Long Gilligan's years apart. Island. Gilligan's Island. That's this the first is thing you teach. Oh. That's what you, when you're teaching, um, like creative writing 101 and you get to the poetry section and you get to Emily Dickinson, that's what you teach everybody to like fuck them up forever. <laughs> so that every time they read Emily Dickinson, they remember to sing it like Say what you mean, but say it slant. Yeah. This one's called 1383 by Emily Dickinson. Long years apart can make no breach a second cannot fill. The absence of the witch does not invalidate the spill. The embers of a thousand years uncovered by the hand that fondled them when they were fire will stir and understand. Here we, here we, here we fucking go. Here we, here we, here we fucking go. I do the poetry reading with the Glasgow people at noon every Friday, so or every Wednesday. If you want to call into our Zoom, you can feel free to read your poems. Every one of their poems. Or here here <laughs> They kick you out so fast. They're all really, um, they're all really respectful and nice. They even use the right. They ask you to use your pro. They ask you to introduce your pronouns before you even start because they're trying to be super cool. Uh. They're nice people, and they actually listen to people's poems and then they like laugh at their pronouns, just like witches at black masses. Go sail it. All right now. Get it. Wamp 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 wamp. Everybody, what's your best accent? I can only do Iceland. I can do Icelandic. I can do Bjork. That's it. That's all I know. Billy, what about you? I reckon I can do a pretty good Irishman. That's all right. Sam, what about yeah. you? Probably black. Yeah, that's a good a one. Do it. Asshole. Do it. <laughs> we fucking hate you. If do you it. do it, we're canceling you. <laughs> it's all that urban these days. <laughs> <laughs> that's a one-pack 
Can anybody do a Chris Rock I do accents, but I can only do plot. One rib. How much for just one rib? <laughs> oh, teacher. No. How much for just one rib? Uh, Jimmy Fallon, I hear, can do a great Chris Rock impression. Dude, yeah, it's pretty good. I watched movie? that blackface video. Uh, yeah, it's li- it's his blackface video. Jimmy Fallon got outed. Justin Trudeau doesn't You know what didn't himself. get outed? Trudeau. You know what didn't get outed? What? Is Jimmy Fallon's Ben & Jerry's flavor. Still stocked at a local store near you. Yeah? Did not get can- yeah, Wait, What is it called? Kept the ice cream deal. What? It's, it's a called good ass the ice tonight cream. dough. Yeah, it's good. It's a it's a what it, is, it what is it is it's a a mild vanilla in a thin Brown. coating of chocolate. Yeah, with some cookie dough mm. chunks in it. Edible because cookie that's a blackface dough. joke right there. Uh, that's a really good one, that but really I did not oblique. understand. That one, it was a little yeah, yeah, I thought you were really good. I thought you were actually describing nice cream. What I should have done is like it's a it's a thin layer of chocolate over mild vanilla. Yes. Just reverse them. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. You have to set it up. Yeah, and you have to talk about Jimmy Fallon being in blackface yeah. a couple sentences before so that it'll make sense. But not right next to it, so it's too obvious. But it is hard to get. Jimmy Fallon's boring. Yeah, let's talk about Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, me too. We only have 15, 16 minutes left. All Jimmy so. Fallon do is clap and laugh. He's good. Ha. That's all he does. He just ha. And blackface. And then he goes back to asking questions. He yeah. goes back to blackface after that. He does musical impressions that are pretty funny. No lie. Uh, you, you guys watch SNL auditions? You see some famous comics, Will Ferrell. I don't Will watch Ferrell's SNL. Ferrell's so good yeah. with the Get Off the Shed. No, there's there's been one that wasn't shed. recorded, but only Will Ferrell will tell the story. <sighs> he just he just went. He just pretended he was a worm on the ground. He got on all, all he got on his hip and then kept his arms and his his arms together and his legs together and he just went around the room and he was like, I'm a night worm. I'm a night worm. And like instead of reading the script, he just did that I- as as his audition. What the hell? <laughs> and they <laughs> like, he's got it. He's got, he's got it. it. A star is born. That's insane. Because yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw the Get Off the Shed one, which is genuinely one of the best solo sketches of all time. I th- they tried to do it as like a as an ensemble sketch on SNL, and it just sucked ass. Because how he plays every role is just phenomenal. It's heightened so well. You know what we're talking about? The Get Off the Shed sketch with uh, Will Ferrell. He did an audition for SNL, and he just plays a dad doing barbecue. He's like, yeah, get off the shed. And he just builds off that. That's <laughs> Get off the shed! He just shouts it, and <laughs> yeah. he's such a good shouter. He just I loved him as the cheerleader. Top Girl with Dorito. What's coming out of your Cheeto? We got doubles. What? What? We got doubles. Yay! <laughs> 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 him and Sherry O'Terry are the fucking cheerleaders, and they're cheerleading for the dumbest shit. It's perfect. I loved it. I loved it, and it's super old. Too. I think the cow, the cowbell one, is his most overrated game because that is, although it's the most iconic, I think he is an awesome. Is, is he Scott's game? Scott's game. No, it's his stomach. It's his. It's no, his dude, stomach I remember I died of laughter when I first that watched that. I was also like twelve. But you forget so that funny. it's Will Ferrell in a way. You know, I, d- I, d- I forgot that that was Will Ferrell because it's like cowbell marketing has become so much. Well, Christopher Walken is what made that sketch great. I mean, it isn't like yeah. that wasn't a Will Ferrell sketch per se. Wait, can I speak on the room for a second? Step Brothers, bomb ass movie. Oh come on, <laughs> straight up <laughs> brave, brave. Citizen Kane about Jerry Steinberg. Yeah, Steinberg, who played plays the mom. I like her a lot as an actress. She was in the year and a half in the seventies, where she took care of like a fawn in the backwoods. Something crazy. It's like, but I've always loved Mary Steinberg. And she's like fucking seventy, and she's still hot. So, 
Yeah, she is hot. The Citizen Kane of our generation. Such a good movie. Oh my god. Oh, dude, I met her. I met her. Mary Steenbridges. I met her in a Phoenix airport. Really? How the fuck did that How did that play out? Oh, maybe it wasn't her. Did you approach her? Maybe it wasn't her. She has curly black hair. I think it was Condoleezza Rice. Ah, classic mix-up. Condoleezza, condescending. A condo sending in condos that my dad and mom pay for. Uh, condescending Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice is fire. He never got fired. Even Colin Powell, he got fired. Bar. That's kind of a bar. Thank you. That rhymed. I watched a four-part, several-hour PBS documentary uh, on TV. With Was it called Ken Burns' The Civil War? It's called. I love everything. Dude, I love everything. Ken Burns baseball. It was like four days. Yeah, Ken Burns is baseball is hella good. Baseball. Vietnam one is probably the best. I think the Civil War is my favorite. Nam is probably the best one. I've always been fascinated no with Vietnam. No way. Nam is the best one. My parents. Nam is so great. My parents' generation. My parents' generation skipped Vietnam. Yeah, but the baseball what? one no, was it's about not seven baseball. Days. It's seven no, no, it's, it's I've just always been really interested in Vietnam because of when I was born and it was such a close one. And so, like, it was right there, but we weren't even acknowledging it then. And when I was in eighth grade, I had to do this project, and I stood out in front of the mall with a VHS camera because my dad had one or whatever. And I asked people what they thought about Vietnam, and this was, like, in 1988. And half the people wouldn't answer me. They're like, I don't want to talk about that. They're like, we don't talk. Why are you asking? That's, 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 we don't, we're, I don't want no. And just no one wanted. It's going on Damn, YouTube's. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it was before YouTube's. It was in 1988. It was for a school project. It's that's cool. This is public property. Yeah, Actually, I can film here if I want to film here. There's going to be like a way to connect everything. Everyone's going to be able to see everything one day. And that's if you're being yeah. a Karen in a specific moment, that it could get back to you in the end. Karen was a really popular name when I was growing up, too. And I mean, now I look at them. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's like what it is. When you were growing up, they were like, like the generation before you. They that was like a massive name, and now the generation before you is just absolutely Trudy. botching. Trudy used to be really Amish hot. names, yeah. go for it. Jebediah. Yo, but hold up, Karen. It would suck style. if your name was just Karen and yeah. The kid. Imagine oh, being a kid and Karen. Karen. Like Kyle, Kyle and Chad, they've gotten by. Imagine four-year-old Karen yeah. and her mom. Like I can't believe I named her Karen. I knew it was a dying name, and I still went for it. Like there are yeah. four-year-old Karens out there. Dude, I kind of always hated the name Chad. I'll be honest. Like I, Chad, no, just Chad I've, sucks. I have a friend named Chad. He's Everyone is Chad like is overcompensating for being Chad, or they're trying to be like cool and shit. Like, you're being told to that because society conditions Chad. you to be a Chad, you know? And like, what's harder than that? Chad. You know the Chad that I know? He like got racism. wood earrings. He has earrings. Oh, wood. no. Wood earrings now? Now he's Chad with wood earrings instead of like Chad who plays lacrosse. The Chad I know Which was hella good at lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> he also he plays like lacrosse, and now he's got wood earrings. Damn, there were two Chads on our team. Wood earrings. Wood earrings. No, they're not gauges. It's a metal pin sticking into a wood, and then only the metal pin goes into the ear. Wood, wood earrings. Made of wood. <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, get don't get water on it, because then it will rot, and then you rotten wood earrings. It's kind of metal. That's a good nickname. Oh, no, it's not. Or a metal band. Rotten wood earrings. <laughs> hey, I'm going over the <laughs> wa- like rotten bands. wood earrings show. Maybe a folk you want to come? No, that yeah, sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Megadeth side project folk band is wood earrings. You can't go to South America because you would get termites. Ah! One termite. 
New Year. That's <laughs> cool. What? We got termites in the Bronx. <laughs> like a Tom Hanks termite, like a, like a castaway termite. They just found uh, a piece of one. They're looking for his body. Like, Where are you? What the fuck? Wilson. This guy's a dick. He's conversationally insufficient. <laughs> Slide out a fucking wood earring. That would suck. That movie was actually terrifying at the beginning when he goes in the plane crash. Like I I couldn't I it's so. Imagine working for FedEx, dude. That, oh that part where he loses the ball, dude. That's the oh worst my God. part. Do you guys think he fucked that ball? Sure. It was inflated. I would have fucked the ball. No, you just rub your you'd rub your bone up against no, you it. But you I mean, there was a hole, hole in, in the it. Sand. Yeah, there was. You kiss the, the ball. Sand. You kiss the ball and make no way. Imagine too sandy. Oh, it gets in the tip. It gets in the See, tip that's why we cut off our foreskin so we can fuck Sandy here. I'm saying a coconut mass. Back in those days, yeah, Abraham was like, oh, all of this sand is getting into my schmegma. (laughs) 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 That's how it went down. Take a coconut, mash up all the coconut meat so it's like a jelly, and then stop talking on the radio. You're a (laughs) sexual. to get a young coconut, you know, when they're all like soft and supple on the inside. Would you know and seen any of her movie? <laughs> just bake a you guys pie. ever seen Remember the Titans? Yeah. Dude, they say the C word in that. It's crazy. What, Pam's joke? Yeah. You could say, you could say cunt, it's okay. No, the other one, like a, like a, like a raccoon. The black swear, oh. yeah. I'm not even going to say it on the air. No, yeah, well, they had liberal. to show, ra- the movie's about racism. If they didn't have any racist terms, it wouldn't really, like, wouldn't be that good True. of a portrayal. I forgot how racist it was. I get it confused oh, with yeah. Rudy, and then I'm like, this is the no, racist it's, one. Yeah, this is, it's, it's Rudy about segregation. Rudy, Rudy was segregation. Rudy is about racism. The Irish yeah. have been subjugated for a long time. Oh, God. Oh, it's well, no, it's I don't want to say it to the level of African-Americans. It's but sizeism. The Irish, I love that this. The Irish about the tiny guy. He's and being sizeism. autistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's sizeism. Not even sizeism. Like, you just can't play on the Notre Dame football Able team. That's not yeah. even sizes. <laughs> That's <laughs> like... He was probably not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro, and he wasn't. Yeah. I don't want to hate on Rudy. He was. I mean, he was you better think than he me went on to like sell no, cars. I mean, well, that's the problem is, you know, probably. we give all, give everybody a presentation trophy, and don't if you don't give them any oh, critique, so talking. that no, but oh. if you don't give people any critique, and then they you tell them that they did great and they didn't do oh, great, on deck. then they think that their mediocre, lame effort was good because you fucking told them it was good. You have to tell people when what they do isn't good enough, and that happens in the world. What True. You're you try hard, and sometimes you try your best, and it's just not good enough. There's lots of songs about it. Hey, when you write a paper, sometimes you didn't get the point across because you were high. so young and cute. Doesn't I don't want to make them sad. No, you have to make them sad because Time otherwise, place you, like otherwise you give them cognitive dissonance, and yeah. they think they're good, and they're not. It's like telling a tone-deaf person that they're great at singing, and then they go out and cry out for something, and everybody laughs at them, and they're like, but I thought it was yeah, the best. Yeah, but you got to be super, like, you got to be halfway on the spectrum to, like, really believe that you're good at something. No, no. There, I, I agree, but time and place. Stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, you yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Hundreds okay. of people on the stand up comedy scene who have no aptitude for this at all. Music's and they keep worse. Trying, yeah, and trying, and trying, and trying. 
And it's good that they're trying. Because some people don't ever get it. And then eventually they disappear because it's like, Dude. really, could you spend your time doing something else and stop taking my stage time? You but maybe I'm the one with the cosmic dissonance. Who knows? You never get negative feedback. Yeah, probably. Um, because it's fucking, it's, it's, it's mean to do it. It's time and place, you know? I When's the right time to be like, I don't feedback. really like this. <laughs> if anybody gives you feedback, it's usually like, oh, it's so great. I think it's more common with musicians. If you go on, I know you're not on Instagram, but you see these fucking every paid promotion, like every other two posts is some fucking shitty pop rocker who has like regular default fonts on his album cover doing like paying $500 to advertise a post because their stuff is bad you know I think that there there is there needs to be a time and place to tell someone that like maybe this isn't for you how do you turn around after you've committed yeah, your entire but life the, to the something too? The thing is, too? like, nobody, like, even dicks don't want to be that. Well, I mean, there are a lot of people that do want to be that guy, but normal people, like, you have to, you have to fucking pay me to go up to somebody and be like, "Hey, fella, you, you know, the thing you've been dreaming about that, like, all you do is think about, made it happen, but and so you're garbage at it, and everybody thinks so, and everybody yeah. talks about it behind your back, but they're just too nice to say it. Like you're, that'd be you're right. he's a bad a guy in their documentary. And a context. And so I used to teach school and in that medium, if someone fucks up, you tell them. But the problem is you tell a kid they didn't do good enough and you give them a C minus and then their parent comes to you and goes, Now why did they get a C minus? Because they did this and this and I'm like, It's not good enough. You wanna see the rubric? Do you wanna ref- do you wanna like grade their papers? But everybody wants to think that their child is perfect and everyone who writes but the problem is that once you start teaching people that their effort, that their minimal effort is good enough, it fucks everything up. Because then they don't yeah, ever try true. hard. They're just lazy pieces of shit. And then we wonder why the world's falling apart and no one wants to do anything. Because no one wants to do anything. They just want to sit around and play fucking GTA all day. Or fucking masturbate and think that they're the best. Pam, ma- you Retweet. made your third graders write a paper on Adam Smith, okay? <laughs> no, Maybe it was the It rubric. was George Orwell, okay? I gotta teach the kids about oh the dystopian my God. future young. Three third Al grade Jacuzzi. George Orwell. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I taught. I had 1984. I taught when they were sophomores. Did oh, okay. I only taught junior high and high school. I never taught kids. Dude, 1984 is something that should be taught. We didn't. That's yeah, something that got banned on the book list. All I think. Right? Really? No. Yeah, we got world 1984 and Brave New World, yeah, which is like should. the same fucking book. Well, kind of. I, they are, but they're di- they're both dystopian. My future. school but was like teaching you to be a part no, of the 1984 system. They're totally different because 1984 is Big Brother on the outside looking at you. Yeah. Big Brother. Okay, so 1984 is about using fear. To mold people, and Brave New World is about using society and drugs and all of that and happiness to mold people. Because, like, Brave New World is all like, everybody do drugs and be totally numb to everything and go to the feelies and have no connection with anybody and have all of this, whatever you want, whenever you get it. And more, um, let more stitches, less riches, have money, buy things, consume, 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 centrifugal bumble puppy, more, more, more. Whereas, fucking, I'm sorry, I've taught the book, so I know, centrifugal. He's no, right, Centrifugal I mean Bumble Puppy <laughs> is a game that they play in Brave New World because they have to buy more equipment. And so they make the really dumb people who they make dumb with the um, when they, you know. Um, Eat pills. They make babies. They, they, they call it decanting. When they decant babies because there's no more birthing, they make them dumb. They make them epsilons and deltas. And they make them wear different colors. But if you're a beta, you're just like a sexy girl. And if you're an alpha, you're a smart guy. Like it's this thing that they do and then you get all the stuff. But with Centrifugal Bumble Puppy, you have to buy all of this stuff. So they make people that love to work they make them go out and do anyway it's social conditioning in a dystopian future scape except that one side does it with fear and the other side does it with like stuff and consumerism and blindness and pretend naivete yeah who reads and all that so (laughs) it's like that's why they teach those books together so that you can see yeah anyway 
I mean, I, but I, I Spark Notes didn't say that for me. You know, all I, I, I read it like very skinny as like a very is the same kind of dystopian, same English tint tilt on it too from two English white guys around the same time. I didn't, I didn't understand the the nuance. You should read it again. I I, those are two of my favorite books. I like reread them every year with a bunch of other books. Some of the stuff was Anthem. They gave us Anthem in school once, and that was fire. And Rand. Oh. So I've the only giver? I haven't read that back to back, but I do love the Fountainhead, and I do love that other one. Those are the long ones. Holy shit! I I read them. You read Infinite Jest? No, because it's I no. You're not a white I hate dude. That huh? guy. You're not a straight dude. Oh, Who wrote God. Infinite Jest? No, he's Jet. a good guy. He's dead now. He killed himself. He's a good guy. He's they all killed himself. Themselves, uh. Yeah, he committed oh, suicide. Yeah, a while ago, he said he was gonna do. Yes, he did. Play craft well, an icon, especially in writing. I couldn't get into it. I didn't get it. It's an emo boy book. Uh, people have told me like you should read the, the all the emo boy. Just read this book. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. I, yeah. I read the fucking fantasy. Every emo boy's read Infinite Jest. I've read every book except Infinite Jest with Peter Foss and that one. That Shoulder collection of short stories, the uh, supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. That's also another one of his great. He was played by Jason Segal in fucking End of the Tour with Jesse Eisenberg. You seen that movie? It's a very End of tour? Oh, oh, end of yeah, tour. yeah, 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 yeah. I have seen yeah. that movie. That's a one. That's, that's David Foster Wallace. Yeah, that's okay, closing, amazing. closing thoughts. Quick, quick, quick. End of the tour with David Foster Wallace is an amazing movie. Where the sidewalk ends. Oh, is that Shel Silverstein? Yeah. Uh, I I remember reading that as a. Was he a pedophile? Okay, that's good. that. You're thinking of uh, some. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm so excited. Today is a little bit different. I am pre-recording some Call Me Tim because I have the most exciting interview that I've ever had on. Some call me Tim. Well, today on Some Call Me Tim, I actually have Wania, the beau of season six alone. How did that happen? Oh, things happen on Netflix, and then you get into them, and then, oh, you get on Facebook, and they're real people. She's a real person. She answered her fan mail. Because I am a super fan. It's hard for me to express. I don't want to tell her this stuff because it's weird. But she'll hear it on the thing later. But I'm, I used to be a reality TV junkie. Before I started living like an authentic life that I wanted to live and spent my time the way I thought it should be spent to like make the universe and my universe and the whole situation better, I spent a lot of time watching screens and being really into reality TV. And in my late 20s, early 30s, I would say that it was my main goal in my life to be on a reality TV show. Now I look back at that and I think like, oh, maybe my reasons were a little more vapid or, but this alone show is no joke. If you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet, season six, wow, like, it's people surviving, sur thriving, as Wania will put it on her, uh, alone. <laughs> they have cameras. 
their own cameras. Nobody's filming them. They're filming themselves and they're surviving and they're making their own water or food, finding it, building a shelter. It's like crazy, but great, not pejoratively crazy. Like, wow, like superhero stuff. Living the way I would pretend as a child, like in my backyard, like, oh, look what I'm doing. But they're really out there. 73 days. She was out there for 73 days. And I'm watching the show and I'm crying and I'm crying. And there's all these amazing moments. She's dancing with the sun and she's squirrels, thanking the squirrels and being so grateful to everything she ate. And just like, and I'm crying. I mean, oh, it was just, it was amazing. And she's a woman. There were so many women out there. And I was so impressed because I just, when it started, I was like, oh, three women. And she's a feminist superhero. And I can't wait to ask her so many questions. She's calling like right now, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen like right now. Okay, I'm like, I did this, I started it a little bit early before she called because I was trying to like center myself so I wouldn't fangirl out on like the explanation of Alone before I started for those of you who haven't seen the show. It's not like regular reality TV, let's put it that way. I mean, it is in that they edited things heavily and I wanna ask Winnie quite a bit about what they left out and I watched, she has a YouTube channel on Buckskin Revolution where you can watch the Alone series and listen to her as she unpacks each episode um, and says like the things that she could say and couldn't say because I guess they had a, a DNR or something about the show. I guess reality TV shows do that. You can't release anything before it happens on the TV. but. Uh, she has her Buckskin Revolution channel that you should check out on YouTube, where she also teaches life skills. There she is, there she is! Okay, 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 here she is, okay. Oh, see, I already made a mistake. Hi, Winia. <gasps> Hi, Sam, how are you? I, I already fangirled out a little bit to the audience before you called to, like, calm myself down and sort of, like, uh -huh. explain what alone is for maybe some of the people that hadn't seen it. But you're more than alone. Uh -huh. That's the thing, too. I didn't want to just, like, talk about alone today. Hi! Okay, okay, I'm calm. I'm together. <laughs> you're so cool. I'm just, like, over the Aww, moon to, like, you. oh. I mean, you didn't even have snare wire, and you caught rabbits? Okay. I know. I actually got a snarky comment on my YouTube channel today about how bad I did and how they couldn't believe I couldn't catch fish in a lake that was teeming with fish and how bad my trapping was. And it's so funny what people think they know about a thing. Like, they didn't really advertise that I don't have snare wires. So most people have no idea that that was one of the challenges that was going on. You had no fish. Well, that's – and they mentioned that at some point, that each place that they dropped people, each campsite is the wrong word, each place in the wilderness where you had the opportunity to live, they were all different. And so – some had fish right. and some had you had uh squirrels and rabbits and berries not everybody had berries right like i had less berries than most people i think actually because i didn't have much in the way of blueberries I mean, every site was different for sure yeah but it wasn't really true that like they all had equal mm -hmm. resources they tried to give them the best you know they tried to make it the best swath 
and distribute the sites as well as possible. But some sites had way more resources than others, for sure. Yeah, well, which would you have... That's the luck of the job. That's the real world. Right? <laughs> it's we... not Disneyland, it's the wild. Which, which, uh, which, which site would you have wanted to be on, watching it after? Would you have said, oh, if I would have been there? Did you have even that thought of like, oh, if I would have been in that no. spot? I mean, the thought that had I been in a spot with more resources, mm. I could have done better and stayed longer. But I was in love with the place that I was. And when you're out there, you, don't, you have absolutely no idea what, <laughs> what other sites are like and what other people have access to. And there's really no point thinking about what you don't have because that doesn't fit you anywhere. Right. Well, but isn't that... You can do with what you've got. That's a mindset I think that we have in our real lives here all the time is that when we focus on the things that we that someone else has or that we don't have and then it creates like suffering and misery that doesn't even need to be there. It's like what we can exactly. appreciate our own stuff. Okay, so first I have questions not about Alon. Where does your <laughs> name where does Wania come from? What is the derivation of your super cool name? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the story of it is um, one that is interesting and not necessarily super cool. Um, so when I was a teenager, um, when I was uh, 19, I went and I did a summer course. There was a backpacking field study. So it was eight weeks backpacking in the mounds of Idaho, which was amazing. And one of the traditions of the course was that everyone take a, a trail name during that time. Um, just to kind of set it aside as a thing separate from your normal life. And so I did that, and I was really interested in ancestral skills and starting to learn more of these life ways that are the things that I'm into now. And I found a book of Lakota stories, and um, Romia was a name. I wanted something that sounded beautiful and had a beautiful meaning and was something that I really identified with. And, um, and so Romia is a really powerful word that means um, like the life spirit when it's not incorporated in a body it means the breath of life and so I took that on as my trail name and after after going by it for so long and it was a very very transformative summer um, I decided to keep that as my name and so the, the not pretty part of it is that that's totally cultural appropriation oh. and I you know I was a young woman and I didn't really have that lens and I didn't understand you know, I had no concept of that or why it might not be a great choice. So um, so that's where Wonia comes from, is from a young woman who just named herself uh, a word from another tradition that wasn't her own. And I do think it's beautiful, and I do really identify with it, and it's not a choice that I would make today. But I've gone by that longer than I went by the name I was given. And also, I feel like it's a way to introduce it's the, keeping that name um brings up the conversation yeah. and allows me to talk about the concept of cultural appropriation and just like changing it back would be like uh, letting myself off the hook and pretending that I didn't make an inappropriate choice when I didn't know any better. And it gives me this kind of like this way of addressing such issues from a place of humility as someone who gets it because they've done that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a great question and it's not, you know, um, yeah, it's not always an easy subject for me to talk about because of that reason. Do you do you feel like you've earned the name now that you have embodied all these ancestral skills? Almost like you could call yourself a, a 
bunny or a rabbit name at this point because you ate so many. <laughs> like you, you even said on the, that was one of the things they actually showed that you're like, I'm part rabbit now. <laughs> like I'm, or that all of yeah, your cells absolutely. were. So do you feel like through the time that you've spent being like, cause you have integrity with these skills that you're, that you've embodied and then you're, you're living and you're teaching. Does that remove, or do you still feel but some just, of that? No, I don't, I don't think that there's any earning a thing that is, you know, something that I took without permission, uh, you know? So, I mean, wow. I think that it's not an inappropriate name if you look at it in that way, but if you look at it through the lens of cultural appropriation, yeah. I don't think that, you know, that there is anything that just changes. I mean, sure, I think that someone who didn't have a relationship with the skills and wasn't aware of these concepts, maybe it would be a less appropriate thing for, or it would be more harmful right. for someone else. But I don't feel like that makes it just okay, you know, That's... not unless I had, you know, and, and, I, and I've spoken to Lakota people about this too, so it's not I'm completely without relationship to Lakota people, um, but, you know. Yeah, that no, I can hate people who are all going to have really different opinions about it. So, <laughs> but it's, it's not it's for an, me to say whether or not I earned it. I guess is the is the bottom line. It's an appropriate. It's an important conversation. Like, because since we're in this crazy time of, I, I mean, what's happening with our world right now? There's so, but to even just to recognize a situation, it's like for me in white guilt. Like, I have to constantly come up against it and say, "Yeah, I'm." Oh, did I lose you? I lost you. You're back. I know. Sorry about that. No, hey, it's all good. Cell phone here, so. And you're out. In, you're up there in the mountains in Grass Valley. Okay, so here's my next question: How are you friends with a giant okay. cat? <laughs> the the profile shot. Yeah, the, the picture the of the. You you're looking that? at the. You're looking mm-hmm. into the eyes of this enormous cat. I, I'm a cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. Like mm-hmm. I love cats. And I saw that picture. I'm like, how are you friends with a giant cat? I mean, that's actually a pretty small bobcat as they go, um, <laughs> large large compared to house cats. But that was a cat that had been hit on the road. Oh. Um, so that cat was no longer alive. Oh, really? I thought you were looking deeply yeah. into the eyes of a cat. See, look at me. I completely misinterpreted the picture. You were. I mean, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all still true. So... And, and so for me, uh, when I was watching you, I was so affected and I kept like kind of putting myself where you were. It was so, oh, it was so incredible because you're filming yourself and it's like so intimate because it was almost like I was with you and that's got to be weird right. for you. And I'm wondering how like that affected you with the camera and the intimacy. But also when I was watching you, I kept thinking I could never... And you, there were times where you'd pick up an animal and look at it and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for feeding me. And and you had to be, like, intimate with that animal and pull off its skin and do all that stuff. Is that – I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I Maybe I'm just so removed from <laughs> survival in life that, like, I just couldn't imagine – I mean, I was watching you do it, and that was hard for me. Like, I, when I saw Jordan with the Wolverine, and I saw his little face and his teeth, and I was like, I'm making myself watch this. But, like, how did, was that interacting with you? With, were you just so grateful for the food that it wasn't – or that's just not freaky for you? 
it's just not freaky for me. That's been a part of my life for a really long time. You know, I've raised my own meat animals, um, you know, and I was vegetarian and vegan at one point. So I was like very anti-hunting and PETA and vegetarian in high school. Um, but once I started being introduced to ancestral skills and, you know, I went right from being vegan to processing and eating roadkill. Wow. Um, and I'm, you know, I have a science background and a deep connection with animals and it's never, it has never felt like a juxtaposition to me mm. to love and feel connected to a wild creature and to, you know, skin it and break down its body for food and eat it. That is the most natural thing in the world to me. And to me, the barriers that our society puts up and the, the removal from our food source, that's what feels weird and wrong to me. Um, so, yeah, it certainly was not an issue for me out there and nor in my life in general. See, I, um, I, I cook. One of the things I do for a living is I, I, I cook. I have no problem if an animal has no head. Like I can – I've processed so <laughs> many birds. I've deboned so many birds in my time. Like it's – but if they have a head, I can't do it. And, and I think maybe it must be something to do with the way I was raised and I was so far removed. Even when I am working with a food source, I'm still removed from it, even when it's whole. So right. Uh, talk a little bit about Buckskin Revolution and what you're doing to try to create that connection again with people and the way we should – I don't want to say should be living our lives. That's weird, but the way we did for – thousands of years and then it's just this little tiny little bit here at the end where we're so removed from it exactly right yeah um so yeah i mean you've kind of you've hit the nail on the head there that my work with buckskin revolution is to kind of um invite people back into that place of connection not just with the world around them um but with our own selves, with our human communities, and with, with our ancestry as humans, and what it is that we evolved to do. And absolutely, the bodies that we live in evolved over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years, to, to allow us to engage deeply with the world around us. And it's only been a few hundred years that that's completely shifted to where we no longer need a lot of these senses that we evolved with. And I think that you know, the malaise that we see in our modern society and so many people who are unsatisfied and, you know, dealing with oppression and feel like there's something missing from their lives. I believe that that is because we are living lives that are so different from what we evolved to do. And that does, you know, that does leave a feeling of something missing. You know, we have all of these amazing sensory perceptions that are about engaging with the world around us. And instead, we engage with screens, you know, 12 inches from our faces, and we fill our senses with noises. And, you know, like right now, there's a helicopter overhead, and I can hear the highway. And, you know, my ears evolved to the frequency of bird song. And knowing what's going on in the forest around me through paying attention to what the birds are doing. And, um yeah, I think that the degree to which we engage those skills, those senses, those parts of our body, you know, just our hands in, in fashioning things that we need for our lives, there's something deeply fulfilling about that, you know, on a level that we don't even really know how to verbalize. Um, Crafting, well, that, it's that's making... That's what I'm trying to share. When, when humans, I mean, we as humans, all we really have is the ability to create things, right? Either thought or stuff and I feel like and watching you craft it's uh, that was the thing okay so at the beginning of the show they don't show you for like two weeks and 
I get it. It's a reality right. TV show, and they had to show the people that were going to break their leg and get kicked off, and they had to show their stories a little <laughs> bit because they were leaving, and you were going to be there forever. But all those things that we didn't get to see, like we were just sitting on the ground weaving baskets for two weeks, or like what was – because you were – I mean, obviously you were doing things. You were. There's a lot going on in those first couple weeks. Yeah. So it was all like um, building your amazing shelter, which was like the best shelter. I was like, I want to live there. That's <laughs> it was. It looked warm and snug and like a real little house. But you were like mm-hmm. literally crafting all the time. Yeah, I mean, when you weren't looking uh, for well, there's all or... kinds of things. I mean, it's it's hard to sum up. It was a huge time. You know, I mean, it starts off with the most important thing that you can be doing is, yeah, getting your shelter set and then starting to, to key into your environment and where the food sources are and strategizing how you're going to avail yourself of those. So the, that was what, you know, my first couple days were scouting my site and deciding where to set up my shelter and um, being sure that I was in the best possible location and then starting to build. And, you know, we, we had snow on day three, oh. so it was full on from the very beginning. And so I was constantly in this place of trying to balance food, resources, and shelter, and, you know, when I woke up covered in snow, obviously that's going to nudge me to prioritize shelter um, for that day, um, but always trying to hold both of those things, and um, certainly the first few days were more focused on shelter for me because I knew that my body still had a lot of calories in it because yeah. we had been gorging up until we left, so I knew that my system had as much energy, you know, at the very beginning as I was likely to have, um, and so I wanted to really focus on shelter at first while I knew I still had those, those you know, glycogen stores in my liver. Um, wow. <laughs> and, um, but by day four, I started hitting fishing really hard. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, doing, you know, doing a lot more focus on fishing until it became increasingly clear that I was not in a location that had fish. Right. Um, you just had very, very shallow water. That must have been so frustrating that you crafted all those lures and you were out there and just sitting for hours. I mean, were you listening to the birds? Like, <laughs> did you? <laughs> you just. I mean, I was doing it. No, <laughs> I was constantly, constantly active, oh. doing everything I possibly could to improve my situation every daylight hour and well into the night by headlamp. There was no downtime and listening. <sighs> the birds okay um, you know, <laughs> but that, like the... that's something that I was doing as I was doing everything oh, else gotcha. you know like part of my awareness would be there but um but no constantly How? you know bringing in firewood working on the shelter you know strategizing new ways to to try to make fishing happening finding you know scouting the landscape and seeing whether there were any other better places for fishing going you know making a moose call and going into the woods and calling moose I mean I was I was splitting my strategy between fishing and bringing in moose but and you know you were asking like what were the resources that I had my site was very resource scarce compared to a lot of the other sites I didn't have big game you know I was hoping for problems with bears because I had a bow 45 pound bow and broadheads and I would have been thrilled to have bears sniffing around my camp and that happened with a lot of other people but that's not you know I was on a narrow rocky peninsula with no fish and no big game and really actually very scarce small game because it was, you know, mostly bare rocks. Right. Um, I, so in terms of, you asked earlier, in terms of resources, somewhere like Jordan's area where he had fish and big game and a ton of small game, I mean, he was in an area that had been burned a couple years before, which means there's a ton of vegetation regrowth. It's one of the most abundant sites that, you know, that you can possibly have. 
um, and mine, in contrast, was a bare rocky peninsula surrounded by shallow water. Right, so, with where you yeah. got to – now, here's another question I have. Uh, what's your dance background? And I was so bummed that they only showed you once <laughs> with your – because I, I watched all of your YouTubes after, and you're like, I was dancing every night I had a dance party until the last week. and um, Not every night. Once a week. Once, once a, week. a week. Oh, okay. But you sang the sun yeah. up every morning. I, I sang the sun down you every s- evening. You sang the sun down. Um, yeah. But these were rituals. I sang the sun up a lot of mornings, but not every morning, because okay. mornings were a lot more challenging, frankly. What, was it just, it was so <laughs> cold? Maybe all the more reason. Was it getting out of bed was just yeah, so difficult? Yeah, it was cold. Yeah, it yeah. was cold. I mean, <laughs> as time went on, things just, you know, like starving for weeks on end um, and really, really cold temperatures and not sleeping well, because generally when one is um, really undernourished and in ketosis, it tends to affect your sleep patterns. Um so, so yeah, but getting out of a sleeping bag into minus 20 degrees oh. and you haven't had anything to eat for weeks is challenging. Yeah. So, I'm, and my voice is a little more croaky in the morning. So, wow. <laughs> so my right. singing practice singing. is more sure. consistent in the evenings than in the morning. And, but these were rituals. So this is kind of goes back to the ancestral thing. So you were creating rituals for yourself out there. And is that what? like helped keep you grounded in and like what what would what did you find Cause i also you also made ancestral plates like you said that when you were cooking your food you were like how did i don't want to like say like how did that witchy stuff help you but I, I mean i'm into it too so but you were you were performing all of these rituals how did that like bolster your attitude and your how you were spending out there because i didn't see anybody else like doing rituals like that yeah, I mean, you know, I think that um, I think that ritual has a certain connotation, which isn't necessarily how I would describe it. I mean, I think that it has a lot of connotations, some that fit and some that don't. But I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely I wove into my life a lot of practices that reminded me to be coming from a place of gratitude and connection. Um, I just, you know, like I, I've posted videos about making blood pudding and have some people say that I'm like, doing satanic practices or something so i'm leery around the term ritual sure, because sure, people sure, sure. Can take that and yeah. run with it all kinds of weird places um right well so you're anyway, like a celebrity yeah, now I, so you you have to you do have to watch <laughs> what no seriously because words of people i'm sure the word i would use necessarily but millions. i have a higher profile than i used to millions of people have seen you like certain sure. and all of yeah, the skills that i mean do you feel like this was the this is what you've been working your whole life for like all of your skills came to fruition for this time that you were able to survive I mean, not just for that time for for similar things for all time it definitely felt like a fruition of a lot of things but it, I don't like to think of it as like an end goal because then what what do you have after an end goal <laughs> right sure so yes it was definitely a culmination of um, of things that have been a huge part of my life for decades um, yeah but I hope that it's not the last time oh, no. that I get to use all of those skills. But <laughs> I'm sure you're using the skills right now. Um, so back, I didn't, a dance background. So were you a dancer as a child? Because you. No, not at all. Um, I mean, I am someone who, lo- I mean, I guess, yes, I got dragged to ballet at four and, you know, did somersaults in tutus and such. But that's the, that's the sum total of my dance background. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who loves dancing and have taken, you know, I have taken different dance classes but um mostly just free form 
um, you know, like five rhythms and ecstatic dance and that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's a background, but just something that's a part of who I am and something that I really love. Rad. I just, uh, yay. Um, okay, so I have all of these questions about cameras. Did they train? Okay, so mm-hmm. it was a crazy show to watch because it was beautifully shot. And I know that some of it was be real and like they are a show and they, mm-hmm. they're doing what they do. But the majority of the and stuff. They go over sites with drones occasionally and that kind of thing. So they do, you know, bolster what we do. But you are your own camera person, which I don't, it took me yeah. a while to realize that. I'm like, so do the camera crew, I kept thinking like the camera crew gets lunch like while they're starving. That's inhumane. That's terrible. But then I realized like, wait, 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 no. There, no, there's no camera There's crew. no one there. No, right. No, it, it's actually literally, I mean, the show is called Alone for a reason. Yeah. It's quite literal. Yep. I just didn't believe it at the beginning, and then I'm like, okay, this is real. So did they t- teach you how to use camera, or did they tell you, like, what shots they wanted yes. you to do or where? Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a big part of the prep before going out is, um, is yeah, the, the camera training. And that happens also in their selection process. Um, you know, when they, they, they had, for my season, I think they had 20,000 applicants Whoa. to be on a loan. Um, and then, and, and I didn't apply, they, they called me. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got a, got a leg up in that whole process, but, um, but then they narrow those 20,000 down to 20, in my case, 22 people. And then they bring us out to New York for a week to do a bunch of different assessments, um, skills assessments, you know, physical tests, psychological tests. And in that they do a bunch of camera training. And then they're also, um, I think they're also really paying attention to see who cares to dive into the camera training and who's actually really um, prioritizing learning the camera skills because you can have all of the survival skills in the world but if you're not that interested in shooting well then they don't have a show right you know? so very important that um that they select people who care to do a good job with the camera training which you know i did yeah um, i mean so, it was beautiful it was beautifully yeah. shot and even like when you're i guess kept thinking like how much time are you spending with the camera because the sun is going down and you're chipping through this ice and it's 18 inches thick and you didn't have the axe. You had your cool thing that you chopped the trees down with and and you're just going and going and going. And I was like, how much time did the camera take to set up? And then you have to take it home and well, all these and other that, like... Yeah, and that's, that's a huge component. And honestly... You know, I would do it differently now than I did then. I was very, very invested. I mean, really the reason why, and there were a lot of different reasons why I decided to do alone, but a big part of it for me wasn't, you know, it wasn't about the competition. It would have been great to win on some level, sure. And there were some levels where I didn't actually think that winning would be the thing. Um, But one of my main goals was to demonstrate a different way of approaching survival than what one usually sees on these shows. And, you know, it usually tends to be about, like, competition and coming from this very antagonistic place with the natural world. And, like, Mm. you know, it's me versus nature. And, you know, even one of the shows is called Man versus Wild, you know, and that is the polar opposite to my perspective and how I wanted to be out there. So for me, it was the opportunity to share my perspective with the world stage and knowing that the, you know, the better I did, the more I, the more I proved that going about things from a place of connection and reciprocity rather than domination and, you know, competition is a viable strategy, is a viable strategy for survival. So, um, 
because that was such a goal of mine, I really took a lot of time with the filming and that was a huge part. I would say half of my daylight hours and, you know, calories and time and energy went to getting really good shots. Wow. And it, would, it would affect what I did. You know, I would choose to do things like I would process my animals during the day, during the daylight hours so I could get really good footage of it. When for me, practically speaking, it would be way better for me to leave that animal in my shelter and do it at night because there are tons of things I can be doing out on the land when the sun is out that I can't do in the dark. And the sun was only out for four hours a day by the time I left. So every daylight hour was so huge. And yet I sacrificed a lot of them to get the good camera angles and to set up the good shots and do the good filming. And then it was so disappointing to watch the show and see that like way less than 1% of the things I filmed made it onto the show. And I could have done, so I, I could probably have had twice as much food if I had had twice as much time. Oh. Well, honestly, I'm not sure that that's true because my spot was so resource scarce, but you know, I could have done much better in terms of the survival aspect had I not put so much energy towards filming really well. Um, so, you know, I don't want to say that anything is a regret because it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. And had I shifted some things then maybe other things that I can't know now would have shifted and that would have been a bummer, but I would do it differently in terms of so much time and attention towards filming well if I was to do it again. How many hours a day did they ask you to film? Because we were we were asked to film absolutely everything we did. Wow. So what did they give you batteries so we every legally time? We require that. So we had we had a way to recharge our own batteries. We had a big like essentially like a big car battery um, uh -huh. that we could recharge some of the batteries ourselves, but then they would also give us a ton of batteries when they came to do medical Med checks. Check. And then figured. also early on when they weren't doing medical checks and when the lake wasn't frozen, they would um, they would do what they called blind drops or we would have a dry bag and we would leave our dead batteries and our SD cards with our footage on the shore in a dry bag and they would come by with the boat and grab that bag and replace it with a bunch of fresh batteries. So and, we, but they wouldn't you know, talk they never to wanted you. us to be without batteries. Of course. No, no, like... we, we didn't even see the boat. We weren't supposed to be anywhere near shore when they did that. They would let us know, okay, we're doing a blind drop today. Don't be anywhere on shore, you know, between this hour and this hour. So did you look forward to med checks just because they were people, like when they started happening? Or was it like, oh, med checks, I don't want to, I don't want to know, or no, I didn't. I didn't really look forward to them. I felt like it really interrupted my routine. I mean, uh, one thing is that a day with a med check was kind of a lost day a in terms right, of food no gathering daylight. because they would give me a window when they, when they were coming, but they didn't know when exactly. So I couldn't be that far from my shelter, and my trap lines were a good ways away from my shelter. Yeah. Um, and so it meant it meant losing a ton of time. It meant like stripping. I mean, they weighed me. I had to strip down in the freezing cold, yeah. you know. Um, and it just when you're so adjusted to being out there on your own like I wasn't lonely I was loving it I like really had this beautiful um connection and solitude and um you know having a helicopter land and a whole bunch of people come out and you know poke and prod you and ask you a bunch of questions it's very disruptive and it was a whole different energy and it took me a while after they left to kind of get back to my serenity after everything being so stirred up in this whole different type of interaction. Um, so I know I did not look forward to the medical. I mean, I really had a deep connection with a lot of the people um, who were coming with the film crew. Like I really appreciated them as people. And so it's not like I didn't enjoy the interaction when they were there. 
but it was still so disruptive that I would rather have not had it. And towards the end, you know, I was having medical checks a lot more often because I was dangerously underweight and I knew they were very, very concerned about me. So I had the fear of being pulled up, you know, all the time. Um, I got my first warning that I was on medical alert on day 40. Whoa. So 33 more days I was out there wondering when I was going to get pulled and having medical checks way too often that were very disruptive and actually really um, affected my ability to bring in food a lot. So it's like, you're underweight, so we're going to check you more often. And it's like, well, the more that you check me, the more underweight I'm going to get because that's the whole day that I lose a lot of my trapping capacity. Uh, How far, you said your traps were a ways away, like a mile? I'm just trying to think calorie-wise. No, no. No, not Uh, that far. I mean, it changed all the time. You know, I had different trap lines set up. I was constantly, I mean, every day I was checking and resetting because I had fishing line and not snare wire. Fishing line rabbits can chew through in, you know, half a second. So I was constantly, constantly having to take down and reset up other snares. And, you know, the rabbits would be onto me if I had set up a bunch that they had just nipped off in one area, they would stop using that area. So I had to constantly be exploiting other areas and, you know, so there was no set trap line that was there all the time. It was, you know, constant strategizing and shifting up what I was doing. How so many? Sometimes, I don't know, probably as far as half a mile, okay. but not, not a whole mile away. And, you know, I, my territory, you don't know how big your zone is. You know, you're not, you have boundaries you're not allowed to cross, but it's not like they're marked, you know, this is way out in the wilderness. So the way that I would know is if I got a little blip on my GPS device. What? Um, and then let's talk about so, the beavers. Oh, oh, I saw the thing when you talked about the beavers. I want to talk about the beavers. So when everything finally freezes <laughs> up and you're like, all right, I'm going to go get those beavers. And you get over to the beavers, you can't get to dang beavers. And then the frozen river and the beeping and the leaving. That was crazy. So yeah, did you, that was, was that the first time <laughs> that you felt, was that the first time you felt real fear? Or were there other moments where you were like, I could die right now. Was that the only moment that was at like the end of your journey and you were like, whoa. Yeah, that was the only moment. Really? Sure. You yeah. never felt any, like mm-hmm. that was a kind of fear that like I can imagine it's like inside, you're like the pit of your being is like, oh, whoa, we need to be well, and careful the thing with get that out of frozen here. River was, yeah, I mean, that was like, I never felt any threats from the outside. Like being on the river, that was my own fault. You know, that was that was my own poor choices right in that moment. So I didn't really have anything. So I felt fear, but I also felt like shame at like, wow, that was a really stupid choice. You just really put yourself in jeopardy. Um, but that was the only moment. No, I really, you know, I, I understand that it maybe should have been scary and um, that it would be for a lot of people. But I felt so seen and held and wanted by that place I just really didn't feel like there was anything out there that wished me harm and even you know I mean I was out there on top of that frozen river because I'd been following wolf tracks um, across the ice and you know wolves are big predators but I you know I didn't feel like I was in any danger which is not true you know like (laughs) something could have decided that I was an even you know an easy meal but even so I mean, my deepest desire was to be a deep part of that landscape, and that is part of that is part of living wild and wild systems. And so, in that way, I mean, I'm sure that had I been attacked by a wolf in the moment, it would have been very scary. But you know, better was to go out that way as part of a 
beautiful interaction in a wild place than to get taken out in a car accident. Sure. You know. Did you have an so, arrow knocked? So I wasn't. Did you have an arrow knocked uh, when you were walking? That, out? No, I didn't have an arrow knocked. I'm trying to remember if I even had my bow with wow. me. I probably did because I brought my bow everywhere. But no, I definitely didn't have an arrow knocked. Because you were I just walking and having my bow with me on that trip. You were just yeah, experiencing I mean, you know, the beauty of the place. It's not that common for wolves to take out people, and especially in an environment where they don't see people. It's not like we're on the menu. It would be an right. unusual animal that's like, what is this thing I've never seen before? I guess I'll figure it out by eating it. You know, <laughs> generally that's there would be a curiosity. You know, the place where you see problem animals is places where humans have been encroaching into wild places a lot and affecting wild animals' ability to get game. You know, like bears attacking people. That happens usually in like campgrounds and such, yeah. and places where they're used to associating humans with food. Um, so, yeah, I mean, which is not to say that, you know, that they mightn't be motivated that way, but <laughs> it just wasn't. I didn't feel in my gut that I was in danger in those ways. Right. So, just from yeah, the. I had one water. moment when I was coming back. Yeah, just from standing <laughs> on top of water, you know, of, of ice that was way thinner than it should have been for me to be standing on top of a frozen river. I just didn't realize. And for the, for the, you know, listening audience right now, what she's referring to is a night pretty far out. I think it was night 70, maybe 69 or 70. Um, I, I had hiked out across the ice. I was way out of my bounds. I didn't realize that because the GPS signals and satellite signals are um, really bad out there. So the message telling me that I was way out of bounds didn't come until I was already far out. Um, but it was kind of dusk. I couldn't really, you know, the light was starting to go. And I was in this area on this lake, which is this huge lake, um, where the ice was starting to be uh, not flat, but kind of bubbled. And I was curious about it. And I thought that it must have been, you know, vegetation or something. And I didn't realize until I was already pretty far out that the reason why it wasn't flat there is because it's actually a, a river. And so it was like the bubbling flow of the river that had frozen. And it was not very thick ice. And, um, because that's what happens. Ice that's on top of flowing water doesn't doesn't freeze very quickly. So it's a really dangerous, really sketchy place to be. And I just, you know, and that it was so enthralled it was by dusk. following these wolf tracks. The the dust. Yeah, so you, they couldn't they have come to help me. They couldn't have flown the helicopter. They, yeah, they wouldn't have. Not been that able. they could have gotten there. I mean, if I had gone through ice on top of a fast moving frozen river, there would have been nothing they could do. I would have <sighs> been stuck under the ice anyway, and <sighs> the helicopter would have been a non issue. <laughs> when I knew that, you know that. Was, that was that's the you know I've done a lot of wilderness trips in my day and I've never in my life had a button I could push for someone to come save me so (laughs) that wasn't really part of my reality out there like I knew that everything I was doing was a calculated risk and that you know the chance of rescue was a pretty remote one so that that didn't figure into my thinking out there um that's why you're a superhero you're fearless Um, you're a fearless feminist <laughs> superhero. I'm not fearless, but that those aren't the things that I'm most afraid of, I guess. Wow. Okay, so let's switch gears. What are the top five most beautiful things you saw up there that you could – there's probably got to be more than five mm. – but that you For hadn't sure. seen in any of your wilderness journeys that you were just so majestic that – that they didn't show on the show. I mean, they showed a lot of the Northern Lights, and I kept being like, is that, that's crazy. Those are, wow. Um, they are crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, that area, Yellowknife, um, in the Northwest Territories, is um, a worldwide destination for 
northern lights tourism. I mean, the streets are awash with tourists um, who come there to watch the northern lights. So yeah, all that footage was very real. Uh, so yeah, the northern lights definitely. And I'd seen northern lights before. Um, I'd lived in northern Ontario for a brief time um, and seen some pretty spectacular northern lights there. But yeah, that was those were really really amazing. Um, the night that I was out on the ice, the night that they showed the footage of where I was trying to get through the ice and realizing that it, in the course of the couple days that I hadn't been out on the ice because there'd been a really intense storm, a really intense storm that dropped the temperature about 20 degrees with just whipping winds. And that storm, the ice went from about four inches thick to about, you know, 18 to 24 inches thick. Um, so I had been able to get through the ice with the same technique I was using before that. And then all of a sudden there was no way, but that ice, that, that, that night, that sunset was the most epically beautiful, awe inspiring evening of my entire life. And it was really frustrating to me that what they showed instead was me failing to get through the ice and they inserted bleeps. I'm fairly certain I wasn't actually cussing. Um, I don't know for sure. Maybe I was, but they, but they made it look like a hardship and it was one of the most amazing nights in my life such that like I just fully surrendered after that and was like, if they pick me up tomorrow, I don't care because I got to have this night out on the ice. It was this experience where I was out there and the ice was completely scoured clean to just a mirror surface from this really intense storm we had had for days and days with heavy winds and, you know, like scouring the ice with snow. Um, and the sun was going down and because the storm was just clearing, there were a lot of clouds. So the color was really intense and the sky was just this amazing hot pink, orange, you know, beautiful colors. And then I'm standing on this ice that is so smooth that it's reflecting the sunset back at me. So it's like I'm standing in the middle of the sunset. You know, I'm completely surrounded by sunset colors everywhere. And then the night was just so gorgeous. Once I figured out that I couldn't get through that ice, I just decided to go further out onto the lake and just revel in it. And I got further out into the ice in an area where the, the pressure of the ice freezing so fast had cracked the surface of the lake. So it's all of these different pieces of ice that had all been kind of pushed up by the pressure of the cracking. And so they were all of these little pieces that were all sitting at a different angle to the oh. sky. So each one was catching a different color. Like Superman. And, and reflecting that back at me. It was, yeah, yeah, only sunset. Only like sunset. All of Superman these ice caves, sunset time. So epically unbelievable. And then as I'm out there on the ice, the moon is rising oh. and it's like exactly half of a moon and exactly vertical. So that's rising up over the island as this amazing, it was just the most amazing experience of my entire life. And, you know. Why I mean, didn't they show like that? You must. with beauty. Do you get to keep the footage? Well, because they want to show the drama. No, no, you don't get it. You put footage. the footage. Well, they honestly, can't... I didn't bring the cameras oh. out there. <gasps> I mean, I did take footage. No, I did take footage of the moon rising, but when I went out to where there was the puzzle pieces, I left the camera set up by that hole, and I just wandered out by myself, which I wasn't really supposed to do. But it was, like, too epic and amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, you know, they could have showed. There was a lot of footage of it. There just wasn't the footage of the, like, me on the puzzle piece part of the ice. Right. Um, but because that's not, you know, they're trying to build the drama and this is the last couple of days. And so they're trying to pitch this like, you know, battle to the end between me and Jordan and, um, you know, so just the beauty and wonder, um, most of my most epic moments, I took great footage of that they didn't show. Um, I, they should give I also you that had a, a moment. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't do that. Um, 
it would jeopardize their show, I think, was their their perspective on it. So, yeah, those were, those were. I mean, I could go on. There are a bunch of them, but. Um. Oh, more beautiful moments? No, no, <laughs> please. Mm-hmm. What, what are your other epic, like, things that were, I mean, because that's. Oh, there were so many. You can yeah, just pick a random one. Um, the, the, the whole place. Yeah. Okay. So, so one moment that was really, really profound early on. Um, I mean, it, the whole thing was that like early on when we first launched, it was, you know, we had just been having our first intense frost. Um, so everything was changing. The leaves were all changing. So this super, super stark landscape, you know, it's huge lake that's like a steel gray most of the time and mostly bare rock, you know, this really amazing granite and huge towering cliffs, you know, vertical cliffs. And the whole landscape is so enormous. You can't even begin to wrap your mind around it. So like this super stark landscape with these amazing just flame colors of fall, you know, and I had this moment after being out there for you know, going on a couple of weeks and not bringing in any food besides just a couple handfuls of berries and recognizing that rather than feeling weaker and weaker, I'm feeling better and better. And there was just this moment where I realized that I was shifting on a physiological level to where I was learning to be fed by beauty instead of by food. Oh. And just that, like, that all hitting me in one moment, standing on this rocky precipice, looking out over this landscape, looking out over this lake and recognizing that even though I'm starving and I don't know how long I can keep going on starving, like there's no place in the world I would rather be or anything I would rather be doing in that moment. And just that epic beauty being so profound that it just brought tears to my eyes. You know, I just like, there was no way to hold all of the emotions in my body. And it just came through in the form of tears. Um, and recognizing that, like, I could I could live on beauty now, and I could do that for a really long time and had every intention of doing so. So that was a really profound moment. Um, I had a moment where I was at my cabin working on it and heard, and heard a big kerfuffle of birds, you know, like I, I was really keyed into birds out there, um, and I knew their patterns, and so I could tell that there was something unusual happening. And... Um, and going out to where I heard this and seeing this kind of a classic bird language moment, which was all of these birds in a shape that we call in bird language a parabola around the top of this tree and looking in the top of that tree and seeing a huge um, predatory bird up there, uh, a northern goshawk, I believe it was, which is specifically an avian predator. They take out birds, and so there's something that birds really react to. So having that moment of, like, being keyed in enough to the landscape to think, something's going on, something big is happening, and then going out there and finding the source of it and getting to see this amazing bird that I've never seen before in my life. That was a really profound one. Um, I had a really profound encounter with a fox um, that was really beautiful. Um, Yeah, I mean, seeing tracks, seeing wolverine tracks, you know, I'd never seen wolverine tracks, seeing lynx tracks, that was amazing, wolf tracks, I mean, all of these wildlife encounters that were creatures that I haven't had the opportunity to live in the territory of before. So, and even though the lynx tracks and the wolverine tracks were like dogging my trap line and potentially major competitors for my food, it was still so amazing to see that, that it, it felt worth it. You know? And so you never, um, it sounds like you just didn't feel alone at all. <laughs> like you were interacting so deeply. How could I? I was so surrounded deeply. by life. Yeah. That it was, yeah. It, it's like a completely different journey than other people took. Did the camera... Apparently, which I didn't realize until watching it. 
Yeah. Like, that, that, I had no idea how different my journey was to other journeys until I was watching the show and thinking, oh, my God, I had the time of my life. And these people are out here experiencing the exact same conditions in the exact same place and suffering so hard. Right. That was a really profound realization for me, just how I mean, I knew what a big difference attitude made. And, and like we talked about, you know, like a lot of my preparations were strategizing routines for myself to help me stay in a place of connection and gratitude. But it wasn't until watching other journeys, you know, other folks on my same season that I really got on a deeper level how profound a difference that was. It must have, it must have killed you to watch Jordan sit there and complain and be like, oh, I'm starving with 200 pounds of moose. <laughs> Look at this. I thought that was so funny. But it I mean, my interpretation of it wasn't that he was complaining as much as that the show was choosing to ah. take those moments out of his footage okay. to make it seem like he and I were neck and neck. Right. Um, so, you know, I have enough experience in knowing how many things I filmed and the things that they chose to show of my things 